Our Old Testament reading also comes from Isaiah. This time from chapter 7, perhaps a familiar passage at Christmas season. And well, it should be. Isaiah chapter 7, verses 10 through 14. Hear the word of the Lord. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz. Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz says, I will not ask, and I will not put the Lord to the test. And he said, Hear then, O house of David. Is it too little for you to weary men that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. Now we turn to Luke chapter 1 for our New Testament text, 1, 26 through 38. Luke 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he, said, he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. You shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how shall this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. This is the sixth month with her who is called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God abides forever. Let us pray. O Lord, our great God, we thank you for your word and for its certainty and truth. And now, O Lord, may the meditations of our hearts, the words of my mouth, be pleasing in your sight because you are our rock and our redeemer. Through Jesus Christ we pray, amen. The familiarity of this passage at Christmas time should not let us overlook the surprising, dramatic, wonderful things being said here. Things of earth-shattering importance. This is part of the unfolding story of the Bible. This story actually begins in Genesis chapter 3 with the promise of the seed of the woman who would come. And here it reaches a new plateau that really is hard to underestimate its importance. This is the beginning really of the New Testament era. 
This is the start of it. We are still in the Old Testament at this stage, but this is the start of the new, which changes everything. Jesus himself in Matthew 11, as we saw a few weeks ago, said that the law and the prophets were until John, but from that point on, the kingdom of heaven is making a forceful advance into the world. And so things change. We had in our passage, uh, we had skipped over the first part of Luke where John the Baptist was foretold and his father was uh, uh, given a message by the same angel uh, with a very interesting twist and turn to it. But we, we hear about the coming of the one who would pave the way for the Lord God. Well, this Old Testament uh, period is all about to change. So our passage, we can divide into three sections, and we'll address it in that way. The first section is the narrative introduction. So Luke himself is narrating it, telling us uh, background information, preparing us for encountering these uh, main characters, and there are two characters. There's the angel, Gabriel, uh, and his greetings and announcement. So that's the second section, is this greeting in verses 28 to 33. Then you have uh, Mary's response and Gabriel's interaction with her from verses 34 to the end of the chapter. So we'll just look at it with that in mind. So the narrative introduction is what Luke is telling us, the time when it takes place, who the, who the people are. So this is pretty obvious when you read this, verses 26 and following. Interesting, we hear about Joseph of the, of the uh, house of David, but he doesn't enter into this picture. At this stage, the angel is uh, addressing only Mary. Uh, we, they are not yet come together, so they live in different homes. We do hear about an angel uh, addressing Joseph in uh, the Gospel of Matthew. What's notable in that Gospel of Matthew account is Joseph doesn't say a word. I don't know if you noticed that before. He just obeys. He's told to do something. He went and did it. There's no conversation. There's no wondering how this is going to take place. He just accepts it and uh, builds his life around this. Here we have a very interesting interaction between the angel, whom we're told is Gabriel, uh, and Mary. We hear about Gabriel earlier in our uh, Luke 1. With, this is the same angel who had the interaction with Zechariah, the father of John the Baptist. And we also hear about him in uh, the book of the prophet Daniel in the Old Testament. Two times he's mentioned there, and there he's told to help Daniel understand the vision. So he's basically uh, sent to Daniel to explain things to him. Now, remarkably, in verse 26, we're told, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee. It's interesting, you don't find that elsewhere. You don't really, you're not really told the angel was sent from God. Uh, we just take that for granted, but in this brief account, when you get a little detail like that, you want to pay attention to it. Why are we told that he's sent from God? Uh, it's because when this announcement comes, 
it's the most momentous announcement an angel could ever give. This is the changing of world history now. Uh, this is uh, a God intervening with his angel. So his angel comes from God. We're told his name, too. And earlier we hear about Gabriel as well. I'll go to that in a moment. But what's interesting is when uh, Gabriel encounters Mary in verse 28, he says, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. And this is a very unusual greeting. Mostly angels say, don't be afraid. <laughs> when you see an angel, you're going to be afraid. That's just the way it is. You're encountering a supernatural being, uh, and it is not our daily encounter. This is a, an encounter where you know you're, in, you're uh, encountering somebody holy and pure, even if they look like a human, they really are not. And so they always say to us, do not be afraid. We're told in the book of Hebrews at the end of chapter 1, they're ministering, ministering spirits sent to us to help us. So they serve God and they come and help us. So they're not here to terrify us. So this Gabriel is not here to terrify her, but he doesn't start with that. He says, greetings, O favored one. Greetings. Okay, not the sort of thing we normally say. It's not actually the way it's put in the ancient world either. But particularly this most favored one. This is, a, this is an unusual word. It's only found twice in the New Testament. The other place is in Ephesians chapter 1, where it means bestow favor. Here, it's, uh, it's used because of verse 30. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Greetings, most favored one, for you have found favor with God. And if you want to look at this word, this is the same word translated grace in other places. That's the same word. And so this statement, O favored one, is the same root of grace. You who have received grace. You have been uh, separated out with a kind of favor that no one else has ever had. And here's, here's the interesting thing. He then says, and our translation brings this out, the Lord is with you. There's actually no verb there. So it could be, the Lord be with you, it could be a, a wish or a blessing, but you never find angels blessing people. They are messengers giving an announcement. So he's actually saying, the Lord is with you. And that's the favor. The Lord is with you. This is the bond of God with his people. He is with you. This is what we have in Christ Jesus. The Lord is with us. He is our God, and we are his people. It's like marriage. This bond between God and his people is a secure, covenant-bound bond. That's why we have the Lord's Supper. We talk about the new covenant, because that's what our Lord Jesus says. This is 
my blood of the new covenant. It brings that bond between him and his people. But there's this favor that she has received beyond anyone else. I would like to suggest to you, brothers and sisters, that Gabriel was excited. We're told elsewhere in Scripture that the angels long to look into these things about the birth of the Messiah. Well, here it is. And he gets to announce it. I think he's excited. Why would they not have emotions? Uh, let me read to you earlier in Luke. Okay? Verse 18. And Zechariah said to the angel, this is after he's told in his old age, old age that he would have a son like he'd been praying for. <laughs> Gabriel says, your prayer has been heard. You've been praying for a son. We Now God is going to give you that son according to your prayer. Zechariah said, how shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not believe my words. <sighs> I think Gabriel was annoyed at him. <laughs> this is why, brothers and sisters, you might think to yourself, wouldn't it be great if we had an angel in the pulpit? You don't want an angel in your pulpit. You want a sinful man who will understand who you are, who proclaim the gospel to you, who understands what it means to be a sinner in need of grace, and who would not get annoyed at you and <laughs> say, you will be silent. <laughs> This is why the Lord sends fallible men to be your preachers and to be your servants as elders and deacons and has you in a congregation full of sinful people redeemed by the grace of God and not angels. You will have angels in the new creation. They will be all around us, but we need to be changed first before, before they can put up with us. So here, Gabriel encounters Mary, and he is joyful. And then he has his message. It begins in verse 31, and behold. It's, so verse 31, and then again in, uh, later on, he says, behold. When, when you see and behold, this is not a throwaway phrase. This is not just filling uh, a gap. So like when people say, um, or like, or, you know, all the words that we fill our speech with that really mean nothing. And behold is not like that. It's a meaningful phrase that says, and look here. Look at this important, surprising point. It's a way to underline things. And behold, look at this. Here is what's going to happen. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. This is, this is a most amazing, momentous announcement, and he is excited to give it. And he says, you pay attention to this. And then you start hearing about this son. Now, he hasn't been born yet. He hasn't even been conceived yet. But this announcement is all about him. The first thing we learn is his name is Jesus, which means 
the Lord saves. Uh, we, we hear that uh, in the announcement to Joseph in Matthew 1, and here that is his name, the Lord saves. And then verse 32, we read, he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. In verse 35, God will give him the power of the Davidic throne. This is verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy. Oh, I, I jumped over where it is. This is in verse 32. He'll be great, called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. He will be great as a king of an eternal throne, a kingdom which will have no end whatsoever. This is the kingdom of God that he announces when he comes into the world to start his ministry. Repent, for the kingdom of God has drawn near. Interesting, the Holy Spirit overcoming Mary, and then in verse 35 we read, the child to be born will be called holy. Interesting because in Exodus 13, we're told that all the firstborn children are holy. They will be called holy. It actually says it that way in Exodus 13. And this is quoted in Luke chapter 2, verse 22, when they present uh, Jesus at the temple. And here's what we read, Luke 2, 22. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. But our Lord Jesus was holy in a different way. He is born of the Holy Spirit. His parentage is both human and divine. He is one person, both God and man. He has two natures, one person. He has a divine nature from God himself and a human nature from Mary. And here is Mary's role in this grand event, the most momentous event in human history. She will give her human nature to her seed, to her son, Jesus. And then he would save his people who are he's akin to. He's the son of God. Now, the son of God is a title in scripture where you're not really sure if that's by adoption or not or by nature. Adoption is from 2 Samuel 7, the promise to David. I will, uh, I will give your throne to your son after you, and I will be to him as father, and he will be to me as son. That's adoption language. But this son of God is son of the Most High. This is not a normal phrase. Again, we find a lot of unusual phrasing here in our passage. He's from the Most High himself, the Almighty. The Most High himself is going to do this. He's doing something spectacular and unique. He is the Most High God, and he is going to bring this to pass of his great power. And then he himself, the Lord our God, will come 
And he has sent his forerunner, John, to bear witness to him because he himself is coming in this form, born as a baby. Well, now we look at Mary's response. Verse 34, the first thing she says, she only says two things, 34 and 36. And her first response is quite interesting. How shall this be since I'm a virgin? She could have thought about Isaiah, but who thinks about that at such a time when, quite frankly, she's overwhelmed? And let me make clear, she's probably 14. That's the average age of uh, girls who are married in her world, some earlier and some a little later, 16. Uh, but 14 is the average after a lot of study been put into this. And this is probably how old she is. She's waiting to be able to bear children, which is why she and Joseph were engaged and hadn't come together yet. She had were engaged at a time when she could not yet bear children. She wasn't old enough. So this is quite a stunning response from her. She doesn't have a lot of experience, and so she says, how can this be since I am a virgin? Now, if you think about that, she knows something's up, okay? Because in a sense, she could have thought well, Joseph and I are going to be married soon, so this will take place in the normal course of affairs, right? Uh, quite frequently, uh, girls conceive soon after marriage. This is, this is a, a normal course of affairs in her world, and she could have thought that. But frankly, Mary shows a lot of insight here. If it were the normal course of affairs, why does God send an angel to tell her, right? Because <laughs> it's not that big a deal if she's married and Joseph and Mary get together and they have a child. What's the big deal? Why send an angel for that? So she knows something's up. This is, this is going to be pretty unusual. Now notice that the angel hasn't told her yet about the Holy Spirit coming upon her. That's the response to this. All he says is you'll have this child and he will be great and all of this. So she's got a lot of insight into what's going on. And so she asks this question. Now, frankly, when you look at this, it's pretty easy to look back at Zechariah because he asked the question too, how, how are you going to pull this off, right? How are you going to pull this off since I'm a virgin? Zechariah, how are you going to pull this off since I'm an old geezer? So how are you going to do this? How is this going to happen? All right? There's a difference, a, a very important difference. When you look at Zechariah, he says, how shall I know this? See, how shall I know this? Do you know how he shall know this? God sent an angel, <laughs> okay? That's how you know. He had, he had every reason to know this by the angel appearing and announcing from God. These angels don't lie. They come from God. And then Gabriel tells him, I stand in the presence of God. He sent me to tell you this. And I don't make stuff up. I'm a holy angel. I came here to announce this to you from God himself. This is an announcement from God. 
When you hear the Word of God proclaimed to you, it is the Word of God. And that's how you have to take it. And that's how Zechariah should have received it. So it's interesting, isn't it, that Mary says something similar, but she doesn't say, how shall I know this? She just says, how is this going to happen? How is that going to take place? I, I have had no relations with a man. I don't, this is not, obviously, this is not going to be normal. How, how, how is this going to happen? And then she's told the Holy Spirit will come upon him. And now you have this announcement that fulfills the Isaiah 7 passage and goes all the way back to Genesis 3. Now the virgin shall conceive and bear the Savior. Well, Gabriel responds well to Mary in verse 35. He answers her. He doesn't reprove her. He doesn't say, you will be silent. He just says, here is how it's going to take place. He honors her request to find out how by telling her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. There's a lot. We, the whole sermon could be right there. I could spend the whole time and more just on that verse. This whole overshadowing, this is a Old Testament picture of God overshadowing his people and overshadowing the tabernacle in the wilderness. This is where all that's derived from. You have the pillar of fire uh, by day and the or by night and the cloud by day. This is the Holy Spirit's presence being symbolized. So he is going to treat her like the tabernacle. He's going to overshadow her and going to create in her something holy, as in the holy of holies. He's going to make her womb a place where God will dwell. Well, here's, here's Mary's response. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That's her faith. Brothers and sisters, this is your response. It's all you can do to the announcement of God to you and to the coming of the Savior. Behold, the servant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. That should be our lifelong prayer to the Lord. Behold, O Lord, I am a servant of yours. May it be to me according to your word. We don't know what life will bring to us tomorrow. We as Christians do not escape the common curse of our age and the world we live in. We suffer of various afflictions, and then the people of God suffer persecution throughout the world. Maybe we will as well. Behold, the servants of the Lord, may it be to me according to your word. Because he came to sit on a throne, and he did. He ascended to heaven after paying for all of our sins that we may have life everlasting and to bring us into his dwelling place, those sapphire-paved courts that he abandoned to come and be one of us and dwell in the dirt and the dust and the mud of this world. He came that he might lift us out of it into that world of splendor with all of our sins forgotten because of his blood. Brothers and sisters, that's why we're here today. 
we're here because this happened. And it happened in, real, in the real world that we might have hope. Behold, O Lord, the servants of the Lord, may it be to us according to your word. Let us pray. What a great model we have in this young girl, O Lord. It did not take a woman wise in years, but it took a young girl of faith to give us a model of what we should be like as well. People ready to do your will and to look to you to accomplish your holy word and your holy will. Oh Lord, we thank you that you did this, that we might have hope. Here our Savior was born, the Lord saves, and we worship you today because of it. Here in this place, halfway across the world, because this birth still resonates throughout the world, and our Savior reigns, seated on this throne forever. We praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.